morning, everyone. Um, I'm used to saying praise God, so praise God. <laughs> uh, it's a great opportunity to be here this morning to do this. Uh, nobody really gets used to this because it's not your job, it's the Holy Spirit. So to assume that you're a good preacher is to step on the wrong pedestrian. And so nobody is good in this business because it is God's business and it is God doing his thing. And I'm trusting God this morning that he will do his thing. And by the time we are done, you will find your word in the midst of the words he's going to speak. The sermon from the author is a word to everybody, but the one you get, the one that strikes your heart is your word. And my inner prayer is your word will come to you this morning from all that will be said. And that word will change, transform, and bless your life in the name of Jesus. I thank God for this opportunity. I also want to thank our pastor who is more like a father and a mentor to me. And he's been helping me walk through this path since I came here. Like I said the other time where we were giving Thanksgiving, the greatest welcome I felt was that smile from the door. And, and I want to tell you as a family that that smile has not ceased. And that smile brought a lot of healing. And I appreciate every one of you for that. And God bless the EFC family for such a heart of welcome. And yeah, so I can rightly say I am at home. Yeah, so our pastor has been walking us through a series, uh, Confession, and today, still dwelling on that series, we are going to be looking at the how. Uh, but there's one scripture that stood out to me from the Bible reading, Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18 reads, Come now, let us reason together, said the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they 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 shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The the line that, that, that got me in this particular scripture is God calling us to reason with him. Come, let us reason together. I, I know sins. Sin is all over you. You are struggling with this thing. You, you really want to come out of it, but let's, come, let's talk. Let's, let's reason this out. It's not just enough to identify that this thing is sin. It is much more important to know how to walk out of it how to deal with it. And in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18, God is saying, come, let us reason together. Let's look at this thing together. There is a way to go about it. There is how to come out of it. 
There is how to deal with it. Though your sin be red as crimson, though they be red as scarlet, it is possible for them to be white as snow. It is possible for them to be so clean as wool. The only condition here is, come, let us reason together. And when God makes this offer to us, is his hand of love, is his hand of fellowship, is his hand of forgiveness. Confession is not an act of your certainty of salvation. Confession is a demonstration of humility and reliance on God. Now, some people would say, I've heard this in my, sorry, I'm, I'm trying to move. I'm, I'm, I'm not used to being on one spot. And so, <laughs> and so uh, but, but I'll try not to leave this place. Don't worry. <laughs> Amen. So, I've had people say, but, but, but I've given my life to Christ. I, I've, I've, I've confessed my sins many years ago, so why, why do I need to confess? Is there a need for this? Confession is not an act of the uncertainty of salvation. You are not confessing because you are not sure you are saved. Confession is actually a demonstration of what? Of humility, of reliance on God. By confessing, you are telling God, this is me. I, I, I really cannot do this alone. I, I didn't know how I got here. I'm sorry. I want you to help me. I need you to help me. Confession is you're, you're relying on his ability. Because, beloved, you really can't do this on your own. Men have grown so used to sin that we fall into certain sins and our conscience don't prick us anymore. Our hearts don't bite us anymore. Not because what we have done is not grievous, but because we have come to the age where our heart is seared and, and nothing breaks it, nothing pricks it. We, we see almost everything as normal. People tell lies and doesn't really make sense. Huh? It's one of those things. It's not. It's actually not. And so by confessing, you, you are telling him you, you need him to help you. You are, op- you are opening up to him. Remember that as much as God is all-powerful, he will never force himself on anyone. Revelation 3 and verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart knocking. And the next word there says, if you open, not when you open, if you open, meaning you have the right not to open. He's a God that created everyone, yet he gave man will to decide what he wants. I have gone through several passages in scriptures. I have never seen where God mandated or forced himself on anyone. Moses said, I present to you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose. 
So it is always a choice when it comes to God. And so, it is for us to give him that opportunity to actually work in us. So, it is true that the believer in Christ is saved once. Yeah, I agree with you when you say, I've given, I've, I've given my life to Christ. I've, I've told him everything I've done. He has forgiven me. So, a believer in Christ cannot commit sin again. That's not practically true. Yes, a believer is saved once. Very correct. The time you gave your life to Jesus and he forgave you, you are born again and you are forever born again. But what is not true is that a believer can make mistakes. What is true is that a believer can make mistakes. You can make mistakes. Because if you think that you've given your life to Christ once and you are perfected, there, there won't have been any need for the Holy Ghost. Praise God. John 16 and verse 13. The Bible says, when this spirit comes, it will teach you all things that Jesus has, that, that you have read in the scriptures, that Jesus has spoken to you about. Now, you need to understand that it is not perfected people that needs to be taught. I don't know if you understand me this morning. It is not perfected people that needs to be taught. It is people who are working towards perfection that needs teaching. And so, if we were perfected when we gave our lives to Christ, then we don't need the Holy Spirit. Then we don't need to be taught. Remember that when man fell, sin did not only become part of man, sin became a nature of man. And by that, walking away from nature is very hard. You need help. It's not very easy for you to come and tell me, don't speak, my da- don't speak the dialect which you were born again. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not possible. No matter how long I leave my country, no matter how long I leave my family, no matter how long I leave my community, it is very hard for my dialect to leave my tongue. And that's how sin is to man when man fell. It became a nature. And so, because we are working towards perfection, because we are working, we are working at it, and that's why God gave us his spirit to help us walk through this process. Why do we need guidance if there is no tendency of falling? There's no point. If you are not going to fall, then you don't need a guide. We need guide because we know that it's not an easy road. He, God never promised us that, that, that being in Christ would be easy. If you were ever told that it would be easy, then somebody lied to you. 
And, and, and this lie has been so deep in, in, in church today, in the body of Christ today, that people win people to faith, making them believe that once you give your life to Christ, everything about your life turns around. That's a lie. When you give your life to Christ, God gives you power through the Holy Ghost to face the situation that is before you, not to change it. Because these situations are also here to try the faith that you now claim in Christ. And that's why 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 10 and verse 13 says, there is no temptation that comes to man that is not common. But for every of these temptations that comes to man, God creates a way of escape. And you... You cannot assess this way of escape. You cannot get through this way of escape if you don't rely on him. And so our journey with the Lord is not being saved and bye-bye, Lord. It is being saved and walking with him. It is not once saved and you don't need him again. It is being saved and you need him all the way, all the way. There's there's a statement I wrote here that makes so much sense to me. (laughs) Nobody at gross confession. Nobody. Nobody at gross it. Nobody's too big to confess. I, in my young days as a pastor, I'm I'm still very young though, so don't get it wrong. (laughs) In my, in my much younger days as a pastor, I, I was serving in the ministry, and my senior pastor came, and we were praying, we were praying the prayer of mercy that morning, and, and he came and said something very arrogant in my ears. I don't know how other people, there, there, there are ways that words sound to me. I, I think about words so deeply, and so I... I try to mind what I say to people um, because uh, words are knives and spears that when they are released, they create scars that cannot be erased even though they are not seen. And so they are so powerful that that is what this word, that is how this word is framed. You can destroy someone with words, you can build someone with words. So. I try to weigh them before I release them because when they are out, you can call them back. And so, this big man pastor came and put his hands in his pocket while every one of us are praying this prayer of mercy and said, you know what? God actually told me never to pray the prayer of mercy again. Mm. Then I looked at him. You know, he's my senior pastor. I can't confront him, but the, the words were sounding so so bad in my ears. God told you not to pray a prayer of mercy again? Is he exempting you from the earth? Or, like, are you on a special package? Are you on a promo package? <laughs> I mean, he had God. I didn't hear God. so I don't know when he had that meeting with God. So I, I wasn't trying to question what he had. 
But what he had was sounding so wrong to me. If my people who are called by my name, he didn't say other people, my people. So when God calls you his people, then you are his own. Shall humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. So confession is actually humility. Now, can I ask you, how do you feel when your little boy does something and he's not remorseful about it? How, how do you look at him? That's the way God looks at us when we feel that we don't need to confess. That's the way God looks at us when we feel, oh, God understands, I'm saved. I, I gave my life to Christ already, and so everything I do, uh, uh, somebody once told me, a believer in Christ cannot sin. I say, yes, I agree with you, but I don't agree with you. And he said, how, how can you agree and don't agree at the same time? And a believer in Christ cannot sin is an expected end that God is trusting us to get to. The reality is that a believer in Christ is a human flesh and can be tempted. And so when uh, grace preachers say the believer in Christ cannot sin, the one who is born of God cannot commit sin, I, I try to understand them that they are trying to speak what they expect the, the believer to be, not the reality. Because that you are a believer in Christ does not mean that you are walking on earth as a spirit. You are still a human. And the things that happen here will affect you. Praise God. Don't mind me. I've said this almost all my life, so once you keep hearing it, just ignore it. (laughs) Having been able to establish that even the believer is prone to sin, then how do we confess sin when we fall into it? Uh, Before we look at how we confess sin, I'd like us to know that Every sin is first against God before it is against a man. Every sin is first against God before it is against a man. And someone will say, but it wasn't God I insulted. It was just that guy I insulted. Why Stanley turning it upside down? In as much as you did it to a person of the household of faith, or you did not do it to a person that you can see, you have also done it for or against God, Jesus said in the book of Matthew. 25 and verse 45, you get that there. Matthew 25 and verse 45. Every sin is first against God before it is against man. When you slap that boy unjustly, you slap God. It sounds weird, but that's true. And so when you have this understanding, you will, it will help you understand that for everything we do, God is, is the first person that should come to mind. In, in Luke chapter 15, verse 18, the prodigal son said, the Bible says, and when he came to himself, he said, I have sinned against heaven and against my father. 
when, when you talk down on that young man and killed his passion and killed his morale and, 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 and talked him out of, his, of, of that zeal to, to do what he wants to do, it was first against God. When you lied to your husband, it was first against God. When you stole, it was first against God. When you were gossiping about that brother, it was first against God. It, it's something you have to understand. It's something you have to know. I have sinned against heaven, that guy said, and against my father. And this understanding is what helps us to know how to really go about confessing. And so what are we looking at? The first point we're looking at this morning is you must acknowledge that you have wronged God and the person. How do we confess? You must acknowledge that you have wronged God and the person. I've sinned against God and against my father. Oh, that thing I did, oh, I'm sorry. So, so apologies and confessions are first to God before man. They are first to who? They are first to God because our relationship is, is always like this. It is not like this alone, neither is it like this alone. It is like this. You shall love the Lord that God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. So it is always like this. That's why it's a cross to him and to man. The second point we're looking at is secure God's mercy. That is, pray. And that's 2 Chronicles chapter, four, chapter 7 and verse 14. Secure God's mercy. If my people who shall call by my name shall humble themselves, shall, shall turn to me, shall seek my face, then I will, I will, I will hear from heaven. And, and that's why sometimes it is in the nature of man to be prideful. It's like offending your son, and you ask your, you sit in your room as a dad and say, so should I tell him sorry? But, but I'm his father. How do I even tell my own son sorry? And so when you find yourself in that spot, then you need to pray to God. Lord, give me the grace to be able to walk to this person to say, I'm sorry. It takes a lot of courage to say, I'm sorry. I, I once told a friend when he was ranting over an issue, I said to him, I said, sometimes I am sorry is not a sign of weakness. It is a show of wisdom and strength. I am sorry sometimes is not a sign of weakness. It is a demonstration of wisdom and strength. Sometimes, the strongest people are the people who say, I'm sorry. Because it takes a lot of courage to walk up to somebody you offended, to walk up to your staff who you offended, who you spoke to the way you shouldn't speak to him. He's working for me. He should deal with it. I, I don't mean to talk to him that way, but then I can apologize to him. No, sir. He was first a creature of God before he became your staff. He was first 
a child of God before he became your son. He was first, she was first that, that daughter of God before she became your wife. And so you must understand, you must, you must pray to him to help you. Number three, grieve your sin, be remorseful. Second Samuel 12 and verse 13 talks about when David went into Bathsheba's wife and Nathan spoke to him. The Bible says David wept. He, like, he, he said to Nathan, I have, I have sinned. Even before he knew that he was the one, you could, you, could, you could feel David's anger already on that man. He said, bring the man. Where is the man? L- let me devour that man. Why will he do that? And, and the prophet said, there's no need. <laughs> you are the man. <laughs> you, you took someone else's wife. And, and when he realized that the message was directly to him, he broke down. Mourn, mourn that sin. Don't, don't just go to God and say, I- I'm sorry, and, and that's all. And, and you go about to do the next thing. No. Sometimes, I'm sorry is not what we say from our lips, but what we say from our heart. That is where God looks at. Mourn that sin. You, what, what you did was, was wrong. Never, see, there is something that I keep telling myself. I, don't be used to having things pass by. Don't be used, don't be used to this statement. It, it doesn't matter. Everything matters. Sir, everything matters. Never get to a point where little things don't, don't get your attention to, oh, I shouldn't have done this. We also have James 4, 8 to 10 in that, in that place. We don't have the time to read it now. We have 2 Corinthians chapter, 9, chapter 7 and verse 10. Uh, when you have your time, go through the scriptures and you'll see how, how to grieve your sins, how, how to really mourn about that sin. Then number four, go to the person against whom you have sinned. Go to the person. Go, oh, but, but I've apologized to God in my heart. He has heard me. He has forgiven me. So, so I'm good. I don't need to know. So long that person is still hot. You see that confession process? It's not complete. That's, that's, that's why we said, go to God in prayer first. Why do you go to God in prayer? For God to give you the courage. For God to give you the strength to be able to walk up to the person to tell the person, I'm sorry for that stuff that happened the other time. Go to the person. Matthew chapter 18, verse 5, verse 15 to 20. Yeah, but some people will say, but, but, but I went to him, he, he didn't listen to me. It is, it is prideful for you to feel that because you apologize once, the person should forgive you just once. That's pride. <laughs> now, there's a funny slogan I have, and I, I didn't say you should go and start saying it. I just want you to hear it. <laughs> uh, don't push me and tell me where to fall. 
Now, if you push me, you shouldn't tell me where to fall. You allow me to fall where I want to fall because you cannot push me and also be in control of how I fall. Does that make sense to you? I'm standing on a cliff, right? And you come behind me and push me. Then while I'm falling, you tell me, Stanley, don't fall to that end. Fall this way. Is it possible? You have done the pushing, so <laughs> allow me to do the falling. In essence, I'm, I'm, I'm only trying to say it is arrogant for you to, to, to say to yourself that, but, but I told him sorry already, but, but, but why, why won't he just let this go? People take things differently. People respond to things differently. And that's why the Bible said in Matthew 18, go to the person at first, go again. Go a third time. Call somebody with you. Tell the church about it. These things that the Bible wrote there are, are not... Now, there are cases where you talk to the person once and, he, and it's good, right? And he says, oh, it's, it's okay, it's okay. And, and he holds your hand and you guys hug yourselves or hold your hands and pray together and that issue is gone. Now, there are situations where the person wouldn't want to even look at, depending on what happens. Can you just go? I don't want to talk to you. And, and, and somebody asks you, have you apologized to that brother? You, I went there. He told me off, so I'm not going again. Who does he think he is? No. 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 It is, it is pride to, to, to think that it, it, the person should just forget about it like that. No, sir. Go again and again and again. Praise God. Number five, trust God. Now, this is one place that, that Satan, has, Satan is very tricky and he holds us with this. Sometimes we, we confess to God, we confess to the person we offended, and we refuse to let these things leave us. And, and we keep on grieving and mourning this thing, and anytime we see the person, we feel, we, we feel inferior before the person. No. When, when you fall into a sin or make a mistake and you apologize to God and you confess to the person, please trust God that you are forgiven already because God will not hold anything against you. Now, I like to tell you this truth. Before you went to meet that person to ask for his forgiveness, God forgave you. Confession is not an act to buy God's forgiveness. God's forgiveness is there. It's available. It's been there all this while. When Jesus died on the cross, his forgiveness was there. But it is responsibility to confess. It is an act of responsibility and humility to, to do what? To confess. But when you have done this, learn to trust that God has what? Has forgiven you. And... There are, there are eight A's of, I'll, I'll just try to rush this, I'll read them just once because of time. There are eight A's of biblical confession. Uh, one, address everyone involved, all those that are affected, get to them. Number two, avoid excuses while confessing. Don't go to someone that you have offended and said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually sorry about that stuff, but, but you know, if you, didn't, if you didn't do your eyes like that, I wouldn't have been that angry if you didn't. Don't, 
Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't give excuses. We, we are in this mess we are today because, because Adam was not wise enough. He should have just laid on the floor to say, I'm sorry. And he said, the woman. You gave me this woman. It was the woman you gave me that brought this fruit to me. And, and you know, it, it, it led to a circle of curses and the rest. And so, don't, don't try to give any excuse. Number three, admit specifically, both in, both in attitudes and in action. Just admit that wrong. Oh, I, I didn't behave maturely. Oh, I didn't do this. Yeah, own up to it and, and move away from it. Don't, don't own up to it and dwell there. Own up to it and do what? And, and move away. Yeah, so acknowledge the heart. Express your sorrow. Grieve, grieve, grieve that sin. That's what we talked about. Number five, accept the consequences of, of those acts. Can I tell you something? When you, are, when you are facing the consequences of a mistake, it is not because God hates you. The consequence of a sin is not an act of hatred. It is a sign of love. Uh, that may be too strong for us, but you get to understand this and accept it. One time, something happened recently, and, and I, I really hoped and, and, and trust that I was going to get this help from here. And, and the reply hit me like a, like a punch, and it broke me down, and I was, Lord, why? But I, I talked to you about this before, because I'm very skeptical coming out of my, of my shell to want to ask or do anything with, and, and God said to me peaceably that evening, he said, sometimes the no is an answer of love. It was deep. It was heavy, but I got to swallow it. Sometimes the no is an answer of love. A father does not chastise a son out of hatred. Every chastisement of the father is an act of love. And now, you don't focus your eyes on the consequence. You focus your eyes on on the purpose of the consequence. Why is God passing me through this? Now, when you focus your eyes on the purpose, you will learn the lesson of that consequence, and it will help you grow. But if you focus your eyes on the consequence, all that will come out of you is hatred for God. Oh, if, if he loves me, why? But I, I, told, I told God, I'm sorry, I apologize. Why, why would they fire me? No. If you were fired, it's because he wants you not to be in that job again so you don't make that mistake next time. And, and when you work in, a, in another place, you think better and you do it better. So the consequences from our actions are not signs of hatred. They are, the, they, are, they are God's expressions of love. Let's see it that way. And that's why we spank our children and they call police on us. It's not supposed to be so. Amen. <laughs> so, alter your behavior, ask for forgiveness, and yeah. What are the benefits of confession as we bring this sermon to a close? You gain God's forgiveness. When you confess, you gain God's forgiveness. And, and when God's forgiveness gets to you, it brings you peace. Anytime Forgiveness is achieved, there is peace. 
you discover that when you went to apologize to that your friend, and, and as your friend told you, it's okay. Stanley, that's, that's all right. That, that issue is gone. When you are walking away from him, you discover a kind of peace that comes to you. So forgiveness brings peace. Confession brings peace. Number two, when you are, you are free from the prison of guilt and, and shame. Anytime you confess and you are forgiven, that, that guilt, that shame goes away. Number three, you are healed and you are restored. So every confession does, does not just give you peace. It doesn't free you from the prison alone. It heals you. And that's why when God forgives you, 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 are, you, are, you, are, you become a brand new person. The work he does in you is a complete work. It's a full work. And that's God's word for us this morning. And in two minutes, uh, in two minutes, I'm just going to pray. Uh, while I was preparing this, there were a few things that the Holy Spirit dropped in my heart, and I, I, I would like to pray about them just in two minutes. Now, I'm not using the word God said to me so that you don't get scared. <laughs> I said he... he <laughs> It was a prompting in my heart. But uh, with time, you get to understand that a child does not pray to hear his father's voice. It comes naturally. If you give birth to a baby, uh, and the baby is already three weeks, one month, if the father speaks, the baby knows. If the mother speaks, the baby knows. You don't fast to hear your father's voice. It comes with you being a child. So just know that God has been speaking to you. You are just not the one knowing that. That's his voice. So, yeah, he dropped some prompting in my heart, and I'm just going to pray. Father, thank you for your words to us this morning. Thank you. We are very grateful. We are very grateful. Thank you for that family that has been going through this time of turbulence and, and couples not understanding themselves. Thank you because uh, this morning your healing hand is stretched towards that family, and, and that home is redeemed. Thank you for that 16-year-old grandson who um, uh, the, the, the ways of this world is snatching away from those grandparents and they are so concerned and, and they are praying for him and, and they are trying to see he walks out of that trouble that he has gotten himself into. Thank you because your mercy is intervening in that issue and, and, and that boy is redeemed and that case is solved. Thank you for that person in this in this service, who is struggling with that pain in the back and towards the leg. Thank you because that pain is healed in the name of Jesus, and, and those pains shall be there no more because uh, your word is, is, uh, is, is reaching out to them this morning, and, and that pain is gone. Thank you for that brother who is in the, in the point of making a decision about what to do, and this decision has, has, has taken so much from, from this brother. Thank you because your, your light of inspiration is coming to them, and those decisions will be taken, and it will yield peace. Thank you, Father. Bless us with your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Ah, <laughs> we have to give people a chance to answer, but I have a question. Why do you think that we, we believe that the sin isn't first against God? 
Why have we convinced ourselves that, well, I don't need to apologize to you. You gave me a funny face, so I'm okay. Why, what have we lost that the sin is against God first and then against the other one? Yeah, yeah, simply because uh, Jesus summarized the commandments in two things. Love the Lord, your God with all your heart, and your neighbor as yourself. Then he, he described it. I was hungry and you did not give me food. I was this. And, and they said, we never saw you hungry. How am I going to see you hungry and don't give you food? And he said, in as much as you did not do it for that person, you didn't do it for me. So, and yeah. So, once it is against a person, it is against God because that person is, is in the image of God. We don't see God. And so, you, you cannot confess love to God that you don't see if you cannot love the person that you see. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a sin against God because God's standard is perfection, and every sin is breaking his standard, right? So, so it's, you're right. It's a sin against God first, and then it's a sin against whoever it's against. <coughs> so what happens to the person that, if I choose not to forgive you? Uh, if, you if you choose not to forgive me, then uh, it's no longer on me because I've come to you to say I'm sorry. And, and, and I mean the sorry from my heart, but it's your choice to actually forgive or not. God commands you to, but if you don't, then you have, you have that business with God, though. So, uh, but, but, but it is wise that when you offend someone and you are asking for forgiveness, in your prayers, also pray that God touches the person's heart, that God heals the person's heart, because sometimes it's, it's really not easy to walk away from hurt. So you, you, you not only pray for God's forgiveness, you pray for God's ability and, and grace to touch the person whom you have offended to extend grace and forgiveness to you as well. Yeah, so. And, and, and sometimes I think we have a problem because you confess something and I say, oh, it was nothing, which is a way of actually not accepting the confession. If I say, oh, it was nothing, then I'm actually not accepting your confession. What I should say is, you're right, that hurt, I forgive you. Yeah. And, and so, so sometimes we also have to learn how to forgive. And, and then sometimes forgiveness takes time. Sometimes it takes time. And, and, and you, you, can't, you can push me, but my falling is my business. It, it, it may take me some time to forgive. And it's, it's, sometimes it's a process. So you're right. Praying for me that God will work in my heart is a good thing. Yeah. Okay, we're going to end this on a light note. After hearing the message, I'm glad we cleared up that cheating at the card games. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll call up a praise band. I think that was an inside joke. <laughs>